morning. Easter is such a great day. Happy Easter. You guys say it back? Wait, happy Easter. Okay, I'm going to have you guys do one more thing because I will not be in a room with this many people on Easter very often. So I need you to respond to a quick poll, okay? You know how you have these quick polls on Facebook? I, I need a quick poll. And you have to respond to this by raising your hand. So I need you to, to raise your hand if you like peeps, okay? Who likes peeps? Okay, who doesn't like peeps? Okay, you guys are the right people, the second group. I like you guys. Okay. No, sorry, sorry. I think the majority was no peeps just because I'm in the majority always. I'm the one speaking, so. No, just kidding. No, I have been pranked with peeps before, and I just, peeps, I just can't stand peeps. So um, my kids can eat all the peeps they want. I just won't eat them. So I'd like to welcome you here this morning, and we're going to answer a question a question that sometimes feels offensive when you ask it. And that question is, are Christians fools? It's a question that's been asked since the first century, when the term Christian was actually to refer to someone in a derogatory or negative way. Christians took that on, and I'm following Christ, so I'm a Christian. Kind of like you're an American. It's, you're a Christian. You're identifying with Jesus Christ. And so if you would like to follow along this morning... We actually, they talked a lot about the app earlier. If you go into our app on the Sunlight Community app, click on the picture of the Bible. It's literally the second thing down, and it goes right to our version event for today. And so if you follow along through a phone or through a tablet, I see people looking down at phones. That's great because that's another way to, to take notes. So today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and as we get started, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer to to have him come into our time, have his presence be here, and be felt through his word. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this day as we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate new life. We celebrate things that that some may never grasp or understand. But Lord, we know that in your word, it tells us pretty clearly the answer to that question. Are Christians fools? Lord, open up our eyes and our minds to maybe something we haven't heard before or seen in your word this morning, this Easter, as we're here with our families, our friends. Heavenly Father, use this time for your glory so that you receive the praise for what you did through your son, Jesus Christ. We say all this in his name. Amen. So are Christians fools? Hmm. I don't know about you, but if anyone ever would call me a fool, I'd be pretty irritated. You know, no one likes to be called foolish. Anyone really like that? No, no one does. Have you ever been sarcastically asked this question? My kids aren't in the room. Actually, one of them is, but she's sleeping, so that's good. So I can't say this at home. Can I whisper it for you guys? Have you ever been sarcastically asked, are you stupid? I just whispered it. You know, when I was a kid, that was like the worst insult. And so some of us might feel that way when we ask the question, are Christians fools? And and some of us, it might be because we, we tend to think, why would we ever even ask those questions? Well, the reason we're asking that question is because people that are not in this room are definitely asking that question. The, the country is asking that question. There's so many different things that are going on in our world. So we want to we sit here and think about this for a little bit. No matter if you're sitting here thinking yes or no to that question, have an open mind. 
for what God is going to share with us today in 1 Corinthians 15 in his word. So I hope we can explore this. And the fact is, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 was written a long time ago, but it still applies today. In our Instagram, you know, everything is newsworthy morning. That is something that is so different about anything else in this entire world. It applies now. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just going to read the first two verses to start here. In the first two verses outline what Paul is going to say through the whole chapter. Because he's going to say, I've already taught you this, church. And this is what you've done. But then he leaves a little disclaimer at the, at the end there that should have us a little bit concerned. It says, Now I would, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So there's a few things we can learn here. Paul is just reminding the people about this. He's addressing brothers and sisters, everyone that heard the gospel, everyone that heard the good news. Because, because gospel means good news. And sometimes we use that word and we think, okay, everyone's going to know what that is. We don't because it's good news. And there's some specific insights he gives about the good news. One is that it's received. It's received. If you've ever watched football, if you have a great quarterback but horrible receivers, then the quarterback can't do anything. So Paul's like a quarterback. He's throwing the gospel. He's sharing the gospel, and we have to receive it. It's caught. When we receive the gospel, it's caught. It's something that stays with us. It's caught. It's not just taught. And then we stand in it. And when I was younger, I used to, I used to be asked a lot. I don't know, maybe it was just me. But I got asked, what do you stand for? You know, why are you, what, what are you trying to say here? What do you stand for? When we have the good news in our life, we stand in it. And then also, we're saved by it. So our response from the certain death that we have, both in this life and the next, is gratefulness and thanksgiving. So we're saved by it when we respond with gratefulness and thanksgiving. And then we hold fast to it. You know, some things are not good to hold fast to. Has anyone ever held fast to something and it was moving? It's really hard to hold fast to something that's moving, but the gospel is there, and when we hold fast to it, when we grasp it, we don't need to let go because we found the hope that we need, and we're not willing to compromise and say something Jesus is not. He's just what the Bible says he is. And you guys are like, where's the question? We're not getting to the question yet. So what is the good news? Jesus died for our sins on the cross. We celebrated that with a Good Friday service on Friday. And then we, he paid the price because we missed the mark. You know, I'm not really good at archery, but we were recently up at man camp. And I was, it was kind of funny watching people try to do archery when you were doing it the opposite way. Or there was one side you weren't supposed to put it on. And I'm just watching people do this. And I said, I'm not going to make a fool out of myself, so I'm not even going to shoot the arrow, okay? So I didn't even shoot an arrow. But if you miss the mark, it's not good when you shoot that arrow, and sometimes we, we don't love or care for others. In, in 1 John 1, 9, it says simply, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's that extra thing there that Jesus does. But then that quick note at the end. Anyone notice Paul says all this really cool stuff? And then he says, unless you believed in vain, what does the word vain mean here? You know, there's the song that says, you're so vain, which I'm not going to sing here, okay? Those of you that know me know I should never sing. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about 
literally means that there's no, your belief is not going to have any success or result. And later in this passage, the word vain is going to be used again, and it literally means foolish or silly. It's like laughable that you would ever think that this is true. So I have some questions to answer this morning. Because that first two verses ask some questions. Did you, did you, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Simple as that. Maybe you're here this morning, you have never heard about Jesus. I know some people, when we grow up in the church, we think that's crazy, but the reality is there are people that have not heard about Jesus. Did you receive him or did you reject him? Do you tell him to leave? And are you standing firm? If you're a believer, are you standing firm in the truth that you've been taught? Are you holding fast to the good news? And Paul makes a, a note of this next. So here's, here's where it gets really interesting. Because he said all those things about what he's going to say next. And starting in verse 3, we're going to hear specifically the start to the answer to that question, are Christians fools? So I'm going to, I'm going to follow along with me from verse 3 through verse 11 here. Where it says, For I've delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. When he appeared to James and then all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the last the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. For though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. I think this is very interesting because Paul is delivering a message that he received directly from Jesus. In the court of law, that is an eyewitness. He is an eyewitness to what Jesus has shared with him, that Jesus died for our sins. Those moments we miss the mark, the moments that we can't do what's right, the moment, I even said last week, foot and mouth, the moment you say something you shouldn't and you want to put it back in your mouth and say, no, I didn't say that. He died for all those moments. He was buried in a tomb and then raised on the third day. And this is what the Bible said what happened centuries earlier. Cephas, Peter, that's, that's another name for Peter. Peter and the 12 disciples, and then over 500 people saw him. If Jesus appeared here right now, in this room, and everybody saw it, would there be any denying that he was here? Like there was no one in this room that would deny that. That's how many, there's, that, there's more than that many people that saw him. And then he appeared to James, his brother, and the apostles, the messengers of the good news. Chuck Colson, anyone ever heard of that name? He was involved in Watergate. He was, he was actually the one that got the longest prison sentence as a result of Watergate. And he said this about the resurrection. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? How? This is, this is if you're thinking about this, how? Because 12 men testified that they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead, then they proclaimed the same truth for 40 years, never once saying otherwise, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if that was not true. Watergate 
got 12 of the most powerful men in the world involved, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Think about that. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years. Keep the story straight for 40 years. Absolutely impossible. I've been reading a lot, and that, I read that, and I thought, that's putting it in the context of where we're at as a society. We have to realize what they went through and put ourselves in their position. And last but not least, Jesus appeared to Paul as well. He's unworthy because of his past dealings. What he did first, his first job was to kill Christians. And now he's called an apostle because he's got undeserved favor. Many of us feel that on a daily basis. If we're pursuing Jesus Christ, we're like, I don't deserve what he's given me. I don't deserve the grace. But yet, God's grace was on Paul and it's on you as well. He was the power. God was the power behind Paul's work. He was a witness to, being G- for, to Jesus being alive, and he was testifying in the court of opinion that Jesus, raising from the dead, was a reality. Gandhi never raised from the dead. Muhammad never raised from the dead. Name some, Dalai Lama never raised from the dead. Name a religious figure that raised from the dead. He's the one that raised from the dead. And he and the other apostles, Paul, believed this to the point of being martyred or exiled for their faith. When I was younger, one of the things my dad instilled in me is he said the phrase a lot, is this the hill you're going to die on? And I want to tell you today that if the resurrection of Jesus isn't a hill you're going to die on, I don't know what is. Because listen, listen to this. If God can use Paul, he can use you. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but was raised to new life so that we can have new life. He did something so that you could have undeserved favor. So let me ask you some questions. I ask a lot of questions. So if it's your first time here with us, sorry, I ask a lot of questions. Are you a witness that Jesus is alive in your own life? Do you ever tell someone when God answers a prayer? Do you ever think, I need to tell someone about this. This is exciting. Do you get excited about that? Are you testifying to your new life in Jesus? That the old life, the one that you used to have, passed away. I've heard people say this very often, and I'll I'll just apply it to myself. Well, that was the old John. That's not the new one. And so, do you think like that? Are you working in your own strength or walking in God's grace and power? Paul there very clearly says, it's not me. It's the grace of God working itself through me. It's not me. So, let's, let's continue reading because we haven't answered the question yet. It says he appeared to a bunch of witnesses. It doesn't say much else. So I'm going to read verse 14 and then verse 19 through 21. So I'm going to read verse 14 in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Listen to that. I'm preaching like a fool if Christ has not been raised from the dead. And guess what? Your faith is foolish if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Foolish, completely foolish. Even Paul says, says Christians are fools without the resurrection of Jesus. Everything is foolish. But let's see what it says in verse 19 through 21. 
If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's really sad. If you're following Christ and you're the most to be pitied. But here's the turnaround, verse 20. You might want to mark this in your Bibles. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Those have died. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 19 tells us that if he didn't rise again, we have no hope of heaven. We have no hope. You know, as, as Christians in church, we focus a lot on the cross, but we don't realize the cross without the resurrection, it's just not the same. Without the resurrection, Jesus was no different than any other religious leader. But he is different. And it's not foolish because Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the answer to all the questions we're asking. Am I loved? Am I valued? Am I known? And I know that's scary to be known by the God of the universe. But he knows and he still loves you no matter what. But in fact, Jesus was raised from the dead. He's the bridge from us to eternity. He's the bridge that, that, that we could not cross without him. If he didn't come back, we surely wouldn't have life after physical death. That's what Paul's arguing in this whole chapter. If you want to read more, there's more of it there. Our death came through Adam. Adam, the one that sinned, that took the fruit in Genesis and said, I want to be God. He's the one that missed the mark the first time. And then life came through Jesus, a man on this planet. We many, many times refer to it as a God-man because Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And as for the sacrifice, he sacrificed all the things that we don't want anyone to know about. His sacrifice was for the things that you don't want to share with the people sitting next to you. The sins that you're hiding inside of you. He sacrificed for all of that. And then he rose to new life, and you can too. New life that we can have through him. Our hope is found in Jesus alone. And I've been waiting to say this all morning. So if you've been in church on Easter, he is risen. Risen indeed. Preaching. (laughs) He is risen. He's risen indeed. Are you excited? He's risen indeed. So, if you're in here and you only have hope for this life, or maybe you don't have hope at all, it can be found in Jesus. Are you living your life with eternal significance, with eternal consequences, understanding that it's not just what's right in front of you, but it's your soul that matters? And I'm going to say this, Christians are not fools, but we would be foolish if he had not risen from the dead. We would be completely foolish because when we celebrate on Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is something that has profoundly impacted the entire world for all eternity. It's the moment in history that covers all other moments. So are you still living in death? Do you not have new life? Have you not seen the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you only living for this life rather than the next? I mentioned this last week, and I I can't help but mention it this week. 
my mother-in-law says a phrase that I love when she doesn't know what to do in a situation usually, and usually she's, she's trying to figure out what to do, and she says, this has no eternal significance. Think about that. Many times when we want to get our way, we forget it's no eternal significance. Jesus, as we shared on Good Friday, said it is finished. Everything that's in the past, everything that's in the future that you're going to struggle with, Jesus has already accomplished what you need to pay the price for your sins. So this last question, do you have an eternal perspective? This Easter, may this be the Easter that you think about what eternity looks like with Jesus. That death has been defeated and you can have new life. As as we're going to continue to worship, once I pray here, we're going to continue to worship because death has been arrested. The death that you might have had before Jesus, you won't have after Jesus because Jesus will change your life. That's what he accomplished by being resurrected from the dead. I'm going to pray right now, and I, I wanted to pray for this earlier. But many of you might have woken up this morning and saw the news. And in Sri Lanka, there was three churches bombed while they were in a service like this. There are people all over the world worshiping Jesus today. All over the world. And we need to pray for them. Over 130 people were killed as a result of coming to worship on Easter. And so I want you to know that even their deaths were not in vain. Because now they're with Jesus. And so let's pray for them and pray for our church as we continue to worship this morning on Easter. Heavenly Father, we know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We know that we're not foolish to believe that, that our faith is not foolish, it's not silly, it's not laughable. That the people that saw Jesus Christ went to be martyred, to be exiled, to be taken away because they knew it to be the truth. They couldn't lie. Help us not to lie about what we know to be true. Open our hearts and our minds to what your word says about Jesus Christ. God, we pray this morning for these churches that were in Sri Lanka. We pray for the families that are mourning today, the very day that that we worship Jesus for his resurrection, the day that we come together to celebrate the new life we have and that Satan wants to destroy that day, make it a day of mourning. But we're here to celebrate this morning because Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. He is risen and it's just as he said. We say all this in Jesus' name.